You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Dumas on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Big Show Hour 4 continuing here on your Wednesday. Uh, no, it's Thursday. It's Thursday. I was going to say Wednesday. It better be Thursday. Thank God. It is Calgary Flames game day. They welcome the, or they don't welcome, they're actually in St. Paul to take on the Minnesota Wild as they conclude this three-game uh, road trip. Uh, they took a point in Vegas, didn't get one against Colorado, but hey, if you can get two points against Minnesota, three out of six ain't so bad. Uh, but this wild team, uh, you know, they, they've kind of uh, maybe come back down to earth a little bit. They, they were high riding with Dean Evason, or with uh, since firing Dean Evason and then John Hines coming in there, but uh, just 5-4-1 and one in their last 10, still buried down in the Western Conference standings, but just two points back of the Calgary Flames just goes to show you uh, that tough starts are really tough to dig out of. Uh, unless you have one of the world's best in uh, Connor McDavid, and the Oilers are still not in a playoff spot as we wake up on this Thursday. Uh, we were trying to effort uh, with Jared Krabis, uh, chief content content uh, chief content creator of baseball at DraftKings. Uh, nothing yet. Uh, we'll see if we can get him on board here. If not, oh well. We're going to replay our conversation with Ross Tucker later on as Week 14 of the NFL gets underway this evening in Las Vegas between the gold or the Golden Knights, the Raiders, and the Chadges. Uh, but, jo- uh, but George, man, I'm just all over the place here. But GDP, right. yes. I uh, want to get to uh, some Woe Canada Power Rankings. Mm-hmm. This will be the third edition. We did them, uh, did them in November, did them at the end of October as well. Just kind of a go-through of, uh, of how the seven Canadian teams are doing of late. And overall, I think they've generally picked it up all of them have picked up play since the last time we've uh, we've done this these power rankings. Uh, but we'll start at number seven here, and I think it, it's safe to say that they've played the least amount of games out of anybody in the NHL. Uh, two two uh, oh ooh, ooh, is that a, is that a phone call? Oh, we might have Jared Carabas here as I try to tiptoe here. We're going to go through the Woke Canada power rankings, but it looks like we've got our guest as uh, GVP's getting them on the line here. It'll be Jared Carabas, chief content creator of baseball over at DraftKings and the Baseball is Dead podcast and the Name Redacted podcast. And uh, he joins us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Jared, thank you so much for taking time out of your morning and joining me. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Still there? You can hear me? Yeah, we got you good. We still got you. Yeah, there we go. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Let's talk about, obviously, some baseball. And, obviously, the big news was uh, last week, Shohei Otani, uh, the fallout. Uh, Take us through your Friday and Saturday. I mean, following along with the social media circus, I'm sure up here, like, up here in Canada, Jared, it was it was crazy. You you got the the plane coming from Santa Ana to Toronto. It's a CAA client. Oh, is it Shohei? It turns out it's it's Robert Hadjavec or whatever his name is, from Dragon's Den. And then uh, it's no Shohei. He ends up signing with the L.A. Dodgers in the end. But just take us through the whole, your, your feeling on the Shohei deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought just like everyone else that he was going to the Toronto Blue Jays. I think, um, you know, I remember back in 2020 when Garrett Cole was a free agent and it came down to the Yankees and the Angels. And I was thinking to myself, like, this is kind of when, uh, you know, all the second-generation Jays were starting to establish themselves at the, at the big league level. And I was thinking, why don't the Blue Jays go out and sign Garrett Cole? Like, they have one of the richest owners <laughs> in the game, yeah. but Toronto never flexes their financial muscle. Like, now would be the time. Like, now you go out and get this dominant frontline starter and – it kind of it launches your run with these with these young guns like the Vladdies of the world and the Bobachets. 
that obviously didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I don't even think the Blue Jays were involved. So then you kind of just you settle into, all right, well, then maybe it's never going to happen. Because if you're not going to pony up for Garrett Cole, who are you going to pony up for? Fast forward three years, and here we are with Shohei Otani's free agency. And uh, I think it, it, the, the fit made a ton of sense. It was more just, you know, I'm kind of thinking, are, are they actually going to spend what Otani is hoping to land from a free agent deal? And, I mean, obviously we were all very shocked when we saw Otani go to the Dodgers. But then there were, the reports came out after that the Blue Jays were right there in mm-hmm. terms of what they were trying to offer from a, from a financial standpoint. So, I mean, that to me, I know that no Blue Jays fan wants to hear this, <laughs> but like that to me is encouraging at the very least because, yeah. you know, I look at a guy like Juan Soto. He's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. You know, got traded to the Yankees, but it's only, he's only got one year mm-hmm. left on his deal. If they're willing to spend $700 million on – a Shohei Otani, then yeah, I, I could see them being in the Juan Soto sweepstakes, totally. and they were in in the sweepstakes to trade for him. Exactly, and I, I take the take on the six hundred and eighty million deferred. I think that was that that stuck in a lot of people's craws all around baseball. I mean, some people say, "Oh, it's fine for the game; it's good. He stays in L.A. and all this deferred money, and he's only going to make two million a year." Uh, during this contract, but is there any other player in baseball that could defer that amount of money that long into a deal? I know the Dodgers have done it with a couple of their deals already, but not to the extent of Shohei. No, I, I don't think to that extreme, no. And it's very simple why he's able to do that. You know, he's deferring $680 million <laughs> of the 700 to take $2 million a year from the Dodgers, but Last year, Shohei Otani made $40 million just in off-the-field money alone. So if you were to rank all the individual salaries from last season, uh, Shohei's $40 million off the field would equal Jacob deGrom's salary, making him the third-highest-paid player in baseball. And now with this huge deal from the Dodgers and just his global superstar status, he's looking to make about $50 million off the field and then $2 million from the Dodgers. So just combined uh he would be almost 10 million more than the highest paid player in major league baseball mm-hmm. so just because he's taking 2 million from the dodgers uh he he's uh he's still the highest paid yeah. player in major league baseball on an individual year basis everyone's got had an opinion on it uh, whether or not this was good for the game uh be it the contract or just another big star in another big market uh, just coming away with a big name. What's your what's your say? Like, were you fine with the whole with the whole deal, the contract and everything? It's just it. This is just baseball and the way it's built. You can't really complain about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if if we're to believe that Shohei gave every team the same opportunity, that he would have deferred money with any team that would have went to seven hundred million for him. I mean, listen, it's 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 easy to say. Oh, every team had an equal opportunity. That part of it's not true. No, like it, like Shohei wanted to win. Uh, I I think like there's it's how very many clear to me. So I was just gonna say how Go many ahead. teams could even could even defer that amount. I mean, there's only like a handful of teams that have that cash on hand that could be like, yeah, we could do that. Yeah, no, and, and there's only there's only a, a small amount of teams that would have been plausible landing spots for Shohei in the first place. You got to have the money. Mm-hmm. You it's. You know, it's not like if the Pittsburgh Pirates were handing out seven hundred million dollars, <laughs> is he picking the Pittsburgh Pirates? Absolutely not. If they went to seven fifty, is he going there? Absolutely not. So I mean, it was just a perfect storm yeah. where people want to complain about, oh, you know, the the deferrals and all that. 
I mean, the Dodgers are the premier free agent landing spot, especially for a big name, mm-hmm. because now you're in, you're in Los Angeles. You can market yourself there. Uh, they, they're in the playoffs every single They can roll out of bed and win 100 games every single year. Uh, the postseason, it's a different story <laughs> once they get there. Yeah. But maybe, maybe Shohei <laughs> is someone that can go there and change that narrative. Uh, but even just, like, their facilities. Like, when, when guys especially, it's different for guys that come up in their system and they only know the Dodgers. But when you play somewhere else and then you go to the Dodgers, it is like, I don't know, it's kind of like going to, like, the flea market carnival and then going to Disney for the first time. Yeah. You're just like, whoa, I didn't know that they could do it like this. So there is just so much draw to going to L.A. that if you're complaining about the deferrals, like, oh, they cheated to, to get Otani to go there, mm-hmm. and like they're staying under the luxury tax and all that. Like, the Dodgers are just playing on a different level than everybody else. Yep. No, that's fair. They are, they were, are what the Yankees were at the, in the late 90s, early 2000s. They are the marquee team around Major League Baseball. We're talking with Jared Carabas, uh, Chief Content Creator of Baseball at DraftKings and the Baseball is Dead and Name Redacted podcast. Uh, where do you think this leaves the Blue Jays? Obviously, there, there's talk, yeah, Cody Bellinger's a name. Maybe they go back at, at Matt Chapman. But this is a window that's, you know, for the last two years, they were, you know, maybe a co-favorite in the AL to get to the World Series. But uh, it feels like this window is getting pretty close to being shut. Obviously, you have the, the Vlad and Bo contracts to work out in a couple years as they're getting closer to free agency. But where do you think the Blue Jays need to go to stay competitive in that uber-strong uber, uber strong, uh, AL East? I think it's not so much where they need to go. It's where they need to avoid going. Okay. And I just mentioned the Garrett Cole sweepstakes. Look at the Angels. They... They didn't sign Garrett Cole. Everyone thought, oh, he prefers the West Coast. He wants to go home, and the Angels need a starter. Like, you know, let's get Mike Trout and Shohei to the, to the postseason. They're going to be all in on Garrett Cole, and then they don't get Garrett Cole. What did they do? They pivoted and spent a ton of money on Anthony Rendon. Yeah. Just because they were like, <laughs> we have all this money. I guess we should spend it on somebody. I don't know. We need a pitcher, but let's just sign this third baseman because we have all this money that we didn't get to spend so it's got to go somewhere that's where the blue jays need to avoid going is we have all this money we wanted to spend it on shohei oh he's he's now a dodger all right let's give 250 million dollars to cody bellinger Mm. like if you're if you're looking to add a star then hold out and wait for your star like if you've got if you've got 700 million to spend all right do you think you can win the world series next year like are, are you close all right, then wait one year and back up the Brinks truck for Juan yeah. Soto. Bring him to Toronto. Like, is that, like, who would you rather have, Cody Bellinger or Juan Soto? Oh, easily like, it's, so. it's, a, it's a slam dunk decision. Yeah. It's just a matter of are you patient or are you not. Exactly. Uh, the team you are, are uh, in and around a lot is the, the Boston Red Sox. Uh, are they still like a marquee place for, for the big names? And what could Yashinubo Yamamoto mean for the Boston Red Sox? Um, it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it, uh, which is unfortunate as a Red Sox fan. Uh, you know, I, I can't say that I blame these free agents, right? Like it, like to your point, it's not just the Yankees anymore that have money. Yeah. Like every team has money. So when all money is equal, now you get to choose between, all right, uh, where are the taxes? Not as bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, does this team have a better chance to win? Um, do I like living in this place? Because even like the Yankees are probably going to face that too, right? Like, yep. you know, how many how many players 
care about like the pinstripes. Like they haven't won a world. The lore, yeah, the allure isn't there anymore. No. So if I if I'm a free agent, I know the Giants have money. I know the Dodgers have money. Like the Padres had money. All these teams. Do I want to play in warm weather? for a team that wins all the time with a facility that is just top-notch, or do I want to go be play in the Bronx where it's cold and the fans boo me all the time? Mm-hmm. And, and in Boston where it's just, you know, I get it. Like, I get that it's, you know, the East Coast teams are just not premier destinations like they used to be. Yeah. Um, which is sad. It, it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, as an East Coast baseball fan, like I was kind of hoping that Shohei went to Toronto because it's like now I, I I can I can go to bed a little bit earlier. I don't have to stay up to watch Shohei anymore. <laughs> but now he's he's still on the West Coast. So yeah, I think with the Red Sox, um, they kind of have to restore a lot of things. Like they have to restore their uh, faith from the fans. Mm-hmm. Like the fans don't believe in this team. The fans are very down on this team. And if you're involved. With the Red Sox, why would you believe any different? They just fired Bloom to bring in someone that hasn't deviated from the way that Bloom operated. Like, I think there's a lot of fans that are just confused right now. Why, why fire Bloom if you're not going to go out and spend big money? And you mentioned Yamamoto. How much would that change the Red Sox? Infinitely. Mm-hmm. Like, I think what Yamamoto is looking for from teams or suitors, he wants to be a star wherever he goes. He wants to be the guy which is why I kind of look at New York and I'm like, well, you're not the guy there. They, they've got Aaron Judge. They've got uh, Garrett Cole. They've got Juan Soto now. I look at the Dodgers and it's like, you wouldn't even be the best Japanese-born player on your team. <laughs> but if you come to Boston, like and if, if, I'm in the, if I'm in the room meeting with Yamamoto, I am showing him video of when Pedro Martinez pitched at Fenway Park. Like, if you want to be the man, you want to be the guy, you want this city to revolve around you when it's your start day, Boston is the place to be because that's the city that when, when the Red Sox are good and they have stars, they are A-list celebrities. The, the city stops what they're doing yep. to watch what they're doing and look no further than when Pedro Martinez was on the top of his game in Boston. So if that's what he wants, it's, it is here. And the Red Sox do have the money. Will they spend it? Big question. If it's not Yamamoto, what else is out there for them this offseason? I mean, it's back-to-back years in the cellar of the division. They brought in uh, the Canadian, the outfielder, uh, Tyler O'Neill. Obviously, that's not a big needle mover around that market. But this is a club that, you know, they, they've, they've been in the basement previous. It's in recent memory, but then they've climbed right back out of it and won a World Series. Does it feel like it could happen again, or is it like this is going to be a longer build back up if they can't land a, a big fish here? I don't think, I don't think it's a one-off season fix. I think that you can take massive strides this winter. If it's not Yamamoto, you pivot to someone like Jordan Montgomery. I know I saw this morning that you know he's looking to get 160 million. Mm. Feels like a lot, but you know you've got to, again. You have to you have to overpay to get guys yep. here now. Like yep. why would you want to come to the Red Sox? Like I, I as a diehard Red Sox fan, if I'm a free agent, I would be asking myself. Why would I go there unless they give me way more than the other team is going to give me? Um, so you've got that going for you. And, and there was a big storm on Twitter the other night because Seth Lugo uh, signed with uh, the Kansas City yep. Royals. Yep. <laughs> and I know Red Sox fans are like, wow, like we got outbid by the Royals of all teams. So that's kind of where we're at is just 
hoping to for our 15 to 20% chance to hit. Like, they're not the favorites for anybody. They're not the favorites for any marquee, premier, free agent talent. Uh, there was a report this morning that they got rebuffed by the Seattle Mariners on their advances to acquire a frontline starting pitcher like a George Kirby or something yeah. like that. That was kind of something that I was holding out hope for is, you know, all right, if you don't sign Yamamoto, is there a path to still having a good offseason? Yes, it is signing a Jordan Montgomery, trading for a, Jer- a George Kirby, someone that uh, one of the, the arms in Seattle. Yeah. Um, but even that doesn't seem like it could happen. So it's, it's very desolate times here in Boston. Wow. Hmm. Uh, talk to me about Craig Breslow, though. Uh, you know, he, he comes in from the Cubs organization. He won two World Series titles with the Bo Sox. Uh, called the smartest man in baseball uh, when he played. Graduate from, graduate from Yale. Uh, now he's the chief baseball officer of the Red Sox. How is he? What is he going to do to try and fix this team? I think one of the first things that got highlighted when he came to Boston was his ability to work with young pitching, and uh, especially by bringing in Andrew Bailey. And I, I think when you look at the market for Andrew Bailey as a pitching coach, he, he ended up as, as a pitching coach here in Boston. Mm-hmm. You look at the guys that Bailey worked with in San Francisco. A lot of guys took huge leaps forward in their careers as young pitchers under his uh, tutelage. Um, so I think it's the combination of those two guys. Uh, Breslow is someone that worked with pitchers in the minor leagues with the Cubs, and it, there was an emphasis on uh, taking that next step with velocity. Uh, he's increasing velocity with some of these guys. So I, I think the combination of those two working together that's a big thing for the Red Sox because realistically speaking, John Lester is probably the last good to great pitcher that they developed. Yeah. And he made his big league debut. Uh, I believe I was a junior in high school on, on a, a vacation in 2006. That was, that was the last time we saw the debut wow. of a, of a good homegrown Red Sox pitcher. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. In terms of how he's going to be as a major league executive, that remains to be seen mm-hmm. because the first major league contract that he handed out was over the weekend, and it was for it was a one year deal for one million dollars to a pitcher that no one has ever heard of. Cooper Cresswell. So we're we're still waiting <laughs> to see what he does as an executive. Yeah. But as far as you know, can he? Uh, get some guys into his pitching lab, and and it, that's going to be part of it. If the Red Sox are going to get back to the World Series, yes, they're going to have to make trades. Yes, they're going to have to spend in free agency. But some of the guys that are already here are going to have to get better and take steps forward. So that part of it, I'm excited to see kind of unfold here. How much of that is on Fenway and Tom Werner to to open up the purse strings a little bit? Oh, 100%. Like, you know, once you start talking about deals north of $100 million, you're talking about ownership. Yeah. Like, you can be an executive who wants to go out and sign Shohei Otani. I mean, I don't think that there's an executive in baseball that's like, you know what, I don't really see it with this guy. You know, I, <laughs> I, as a talent evaluator, I'm just not seeing what all the hype is about. Every team wants Shohei Otani, mm-hmm. but every top executive has to go to their ownership group and say, hey, can you cut me a check for $700 million? No? All right. Then yeah, we're just going to have to move down the ladder to the next best talent. So. That's that's really what it is, and especially with this Yamamoto sweepstakes. You've got uh, <clears throat> entering the offseason, $200 million was the price tag. Okay, that's pretty steep. The Red Sox 
signed David Price to a seven-year, $217 million contract. It was the largest contract ever given out to a free agent pitcher in baseball history. So $200 million would be right around that. So that's, that's pretty steep. Well, guess what? It's a month and a half later, and that number starts with a three now. And I don't even think three gets it done. Like, I've even heard that Yamamoto already has a 10-year, $300 million offer in hand. Wow. So if, if, that's, if that were to be true, let's say that that's true, uh, he's going to get what? 325? Does it get to 350? Mm-hmm. And now you're going to the Red Sox saying like, oh, we were kind of scared to go to 200 on this guy. If the mm-hmm. final number is going to end up being in the range of 300 to 350, well, no way we can do that. So it, it does all come down to ownership. Uh, just, I know it's still early on in the, in the off season, still lots, uh, lots of moves to get done, but the AL East in general is probably baseball's best division. Uh, just, you got the Yankees landing Soto, at least for one year, Orioles are probably going to graduate Jackson holiday at some point as well to add to their wealth of, of young players. The Rays are still going to be the Rays. And then obviously the Blue Jays and, and Red Sox. Do you think 2024 has the potential to be just as chaotic and packed for this division? I do. Um, I, I think I, it's almost like the Blue Jays will be better because of addition by subtraction. I think the, I think Tampa won't be as good, especially if they're trading Tyler Glass now. Yeah, their second the half Dodgers. Great. Um, yeah, like they they started hot and then they fell off yeah. quick. And if they're going to be unloading talent, but who knows? I mean, they've done this before. I mean, they they were in the World Series, traded Blake Snell, and then we're still good. Yeah. Uh, so you never. Know. I mean, think they were they were they would think they won a hundred games the year after. Blake Snell. They, they, I don't know what kind of demon magic goes on in Tampa, but it, you know, it works for them. So maybe Tampa's not as good. Um, the Red Sox have not done anything to get better. If anything, they're worse. They were already in last place, and they're arguably worse because Justin Turner was one of their best offensive performers, and he's still a free agent, and he's been linked to Arizona, and I, I don't even know that he'll be back. I think maybe they're going to try and uh, mix up their outfield a little bit, which means that moving Yoshida to DH, which kind of takes away the spot for Justin Turner. Um, so I think the Red Sox could potentially be w- even worse in 24 than they were in 23. Uh, the Yankees will obviously be a little bit better. But I even looked at the Yankees, and I know that people are excited because they have Juan Soto, mm-hmm. but they still only have Garrett Cole. Yeah. Like they, they lost Luis Severino to free agency to the Mets, even though he was awful. But he's they, they got to fill that spot. Domingo Herman, who was an absolute mess personally, mm-hmm. but he was he was okay, I guess. But he, he's he's not coming back. Uh, Carlos Rodon, one of the worst contracts in baseball. He was <laughs> awful last year. Who knows if he's going to get better? So it's just it's Garrett Cole and who you can you can add like as a team. The Yankees hit like two twenty last year. Okay, so you add Juan Soto. Now you're hitting, what, 225? So, I mean, the Yankees, uh, I don't know how much better they'll be just by adding Juan Soto when it's the rotation. And, and who knows? They could still get Yamamoto. I'm not going to rule them out on mm-hmm. Yamamoto. They're, they're a finalist for sure. But if they don't get him, Jordan Montgomery is the next best pitcher. They told Jordan Montgomery he wasn't good enough to pitch in the playoff rotation. If I'm Jordan Montgomery, I'm being like, yeah, that's nice. You're interested. You are now. You weren't, you weren't before. <laughs> yeah. I just went to Texas and won a World Series. You traded me for Harrison Bader. He's, he's not even in the big leagues anymore. And, and then I went to Texas and won a World Series and was a big part of the reason why. If I'm Jordan Montgomery, I'm telling the Yankees to screw. Exactly. So I don't know that the Yankees are going to be that much better. Well, maybe the Orioles still there with that young team. Maybe they were just the best option for all because they haven't paid any of these guys yet. 
Mm-hmm. And, and then there's more where that came exactly. from. Exactly. They have an embarrassment of riches in their minor league system. So yeah. the Orioles, uh, I don't know that they're going to be winning 100 games, but they're going to be a they're going to be a big problem for a long time. Uh, Jared, tell us what you're doing over at DraftKings. Baseball is dead, and the Name Redacted podcast. So Baseball is Dead is my MLB podcast that I do with Dallas Braden. You yes. may remember him through the perfect game on Mother's Day. Uh, Justin Havens, who used to be a producer for Baseball Tonight. And then uh, my co-host Joey has 500,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel, Baseball Doesn't Exist. So we have a nice little melting pot of individual weirdo baseball minds, and we talk about all the big stories in baseball uh, three times a week during the season, but every Monday during the offseason. So come check us out. The podcast is Baseball is Dead. There you go, Jared Carabas. Thank you so much for joining me, buddy. All the best uh, the rest of this offseason. We'll, we'll do this again soon, I'm sure. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. There you go, Jared Carabas, uh, chief content uh, creator of baseball over at DraftKings, Baseball is Dead, and the Name Redacted podcast. Yeah, it's going to be uh, uh, an interesting rest of the offseason to come. Uh, we ran a little late here. Uh, coming up, 9.30. Actually, I do want to say this. Um, the Sports at 960 Beer League broadcast is back March 22nd. The Flames Community Arenas were in the on the hunt for our next two amateur hockey teams to join us on the ice and have their game broadcasted over the 960 airwaves. If you're lucky enough to take part in this evening, you can look forward to a celebrity ref, an after party at Wild Rose Brewery, and some fun intermission games for your friends and family to enjoy. Uh, more information to come, but save the date and enter your team now over at sportsnet.ca slash 960. Uh, the two winning teams will be chosen and contacted on February 2nd. Uh, this event is brought to you by Wild Rose Brewery. Wild Rose Brewery has been serving up premium craft lager or premium craft beer to Albertans since 1996. Uh, whether you're looking for a finely tuned craft lager or a robust porter, They've got something for everyone. Find them around Alberta and at the tap room over at the Curry Barracks. Around the corner, we'll replay our conversation with Ross Tucker. That's next as Big Show Hour 4 continues here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back. Hour 4 of the Big Show. Tis the season to give, so we're asking you to share in the spirit of giving with our friends at the Mustard Seed. Now more than ever is uh, the time to support those experiencing poverty and homelessness in Calgary. Uh, new underwear, socks, jackets, boots, gloves, razors, toothbrushes, deodorant are all desperately needed. Drop items off at select McManus Auto Group locations or here at the Sportsnet 960 studios. Uh, for full list of addresses, head over to sportsnet.ca slash 960. Calgary Flames game day. They take on the Minnesota Wild tonight. Uh, we'll be on the air at 5 o'clock with Flames Talk pregame. Pat Steinberg has you covered there. 6 o'clock, puck drop with, with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson. Uh, I did this a couple times already. Did it a little bit at the start of the sh- uh, the hour before uh, Jared Carabas joined us. But mm-hmm. uh, I want to go through the uh, seven Canadian teams. Just just check in on how they're all doing uh, with some uh, Woe Canada power rankings. Uh, we'll start at number seven. They played the least amount of games in the NHL. Yeah. Uh, the 23 games. They're 11 and 12, have not yet uh, lost after regulation. Uh, five and five in their last 10. It's the Ottawa Senators. Uh, it's just, I put them down there. They've got the least amount of points out of the, the Canadian teams. I think this is a team that can still maybe get back up to where they want once they have all these games played. Yeah. But I know, obviously, they're still calls for DJ Smith getting fired. They bring in Jacques Martin to kind of try and settle things down and bring some uh, uh, some solid base to that coaching staff. Uh, just a little quick read on the Ottawa Senators. Obviously, uh, they lost their last game uh, 4-1 to the Carolina Hurricanes. 
the the big notable incident in that one was Brady Kachuk's mm-hmm. penalty shot. Yeah, Peter Kachetkov comes out and challenges Dominic him. Dominic style. Yeah, very much. A Brady not happy about Brady that. Brady was, was not happy. See some fireworks uh, coming up. They're using the, red on. Yeah, and Kachetkov was like, "Yeah, bring it on, buddy. Bring yeah. it on." And uh, but the rest were like, "No, we're not going to let this happen." Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, not uh, Kachuk was hot for that. So I put the Senators in at seven. Uh, my my general read that. You, off your point there, my general read on the Senators is kind of like, like they just need some structure here. And with a lot of the issues, it feels like it's coming from outside their play mm-hmm. on the ice. You know, Shane Pinto gets dealt a, a massive suspension there for that whole gambling saga that's still being investigated, I think. But, uh, you know, the other things like that, fan base calling for uh, their coach to get fired there. So I, I honestly this team's young and and they're trying to move in the right direction. And and I feel like a coaching change could do them a good service. Like, like Vancouver was a team that was young and was dealing with a whole lot of off the ice issues as well. And, you know, they felt like they had better players on their roster where they could have been better than what they were last season. And they bring in a guy like Rick Tockett. I I think he's an excellent coach. Mm -hmm. I think he's one of those general style coaches. That's still kind of a player's coach, but, gives gives discipline to the players and yeah. gets the most out of them. So I I think that's what Ottawa could be, you know, they they could get some good out of that. Yeah, I th- I think they're going to they're going to leave DJ Smith alone at least through to the new year. I think he's going to have a chance here, but uh, if, they're decent they're getting decent production out of Stutzla. He's at over a point per game. Yeah, Claude Giroux's having a really good year. Kind of a bit of a career renaissance for him out there in Ottawa a little bit, I guess. He's at a point per game. Kachuk, you know, He's under a point per game, but he's got 13 goals mm-hmm. right now, and he he's the heartbeat of that team. He's one, I think he's one of the true power forwards left oh, in yeah. the game. Yeah, it's a rare maybe position. the last one. Yeah, it, in it, my mind, it is a rare position nowadays. Uh, uh, and the, they have a plus five goal differential as well. So among the bottom ten teams, are the only team with a plus goal differential. So uh, well, I have a little bit more faith. Maybe Salo's been okay. Yeah. He's got a three two eight goals against. He's at that nine hundred save percentage, and I know you've mentioned it before. You're not really going to see these nine two fives or like nine forty save percentage it's anymore. It's yeah. around like the the nine hundred nine ten is what you'd consider a solid goaltender right now. You'd like yeah. to see that goals against come down, get it into around like the two seven five marker for Corpus Allo because he he did show flashes of brilliance in, in the playoffs last year when he was with the Los Angeles Kings. So I, I think he's a solid goaltender. He's having an up and down year, mm-hmm. but he's at that 900 save percentage. I think he's been serviceable for yeah. them. So. Uh, yeah, well, they've also played the least amount of road games out of anybody in the league with just six. Uh, coming in at number six in the power rankings, I hummed and hawed here. I was like, ugh. I'm going to pick the Calgary Flames here at number six in the uh, NHL Woe Canada power rankings. It's a team that... Uh, we've seen, we know all too well, they've, they're starting to in, uh, in, uh, include a lot of the youth yeah. in their lineups. Obviously, Jacob Markstrom being down is seeing Dustin Wolf play an elevated role and him getting more more ice time. Obviously, the scoring has been, uh, it's been a committee, score by committee around here. Jonathan Huberto, we know his struggles. Lindholm's well. struggles, Mangiapane's struggles. But uh, some bright points, Nazem Kadri's figuring it out now. Uh, Connor Zari might be that dude. We don't know, but he might be that guy. Uh, I, I stuck the flames here at six just because I'm on team tank and they're the, if, as yeah. long as you're, you're losing and looking good doing it. And they have been the last two nights. I know it's, it's sloppy and I know this is just where I lie with this team. I'm, I'm kind of in agreement with you. Yeah. Keep, you know, adding the youth in 
playing hard, working hard, and whatever comes out of it, it's just the way it goes. Because, And now you have to figure out, okay, well, now we got to deal with We have to get an asset for Elias Lindholm. You have to get an asset for Noah Hannafin because I don't know how much he feels like signing an, asset an extension. For Chris Tanev, Chris too. Tanev might be the most important asset of all because you got to think, well, I know uh, Pierre Lebron, I think, had the report uh, yesterday out there um, that, you know, that they could trade Tanev and then they could bring back Tanev in free agency. I don't know how much appetite there is that. I think Tanev, at this point in his career, he wants to find a winner and be on that winner. So yeah. I think it's just right now just trying to get these the youth going a little bit. Obviously, you have a, a giant $10.5 million pro- dollar problem hanging over your head right now oh, that yeah. needs to get figured out. Uh, but... Right now, you just have to play them and, and keep on going. But until then, like Brent Cron says, we're, we're, we're sick of just talking about the guy for playing hockey. I'm I'm almost sick of just saying his name. Like <laughs> at, at this at this point, it's like <laughs> if I don't see him have an an exceptional game, it's it's more just like yeah, leave him be. It's what have you done for me lately? Exactly, and and we're over a hundred games into Jonathan Huberto's tenure as a Calgary Flame, mm-hmm. and and it's been nothing but a headache. It feels like, and I, I haven't really seen any signs of him getting back to even three quarters of the player we saw in Florida. I, I, I just don't understand. I, I, I always said I've, I've just been speechless about this. I, I, I just don't get it. He looks like he's a step behind the play mm-hmm. speed wise. Aesthetically, he's an okay skater to look at, but speed, he just, he's one of the slower players on the team. I find he's, he's kind of poor defensively. I think along the wall, he's, turns over pucks a lot he's shown signs of being a bit more aggressive getting into the play using his physicality a little bit more but that's not really what i want jonathan and, and how much is he be. really helping out backland and coleman and how much is it is that of just coleman doing coleman stuff is, is has backland been able to fix jonathan huberto mm, no no and I, I don't think they're I don't think Backlund and Coleman Backlund are necessarily can't be the, that guy to fix. Exactly, again, no, they're not the caliber of player to, to, to fix Jonathan here. Exactly, exactly. And the name that's being thrown around there, Anthony Duclair, is also not going to fix Jonathan. No, you Huberto. need you need that that uh, Alex Barkov. The solution center. to Jonathan <laughs> Huberto falls at the feet of Huberto. Yeah. Really, Huska can't do more than just sit him on the bench. Mm-hmm. Could could we try and do that again? Mm-hmm. Could the Flames try and do that again? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Flames it's coming tough. in at number six. Uh, we got to motor through here quickly, uh, but we spent a lot of tension there on the Flames, of course. Number five, the Montreal Canadiens. This is a team that's, you know, win one, lose one, win one, lose one. All about this rebuild. Sean Monahan's their leading goal scorer. I'm wondering yeah. what they can get for him at the trade deadline. Like, you know, touch what he stays healthy mm-hmm. uh, for the remainder of this year. But uh, the Habs are signing Sam Montembeau uh, to a contract extension as well as they still carry three goaltenders. Caden Primo getting uh, some work in as well. I think they do want to move Jake Allen eventually here. Uh, but the Habs come in at number five. Uh, the Oilers, they're going to be number four team. Uh, they're just the hottest team in the NHL. Uh, eight and two over their last ten. Have won eight in a row. Uh, Connor McDavid's got, uh, you know, he's averaging two and a half points per game over this stretch. Yeah. It, it's, Is he back in the heart conversation? Oh, easily. He's easily? back in the heart. Yeah. He's eighth in league scoring now. He's do, you think pro- he, do you think he gets it done? Or is Kucherov kind of... Does he made, get the, the point he, lead? Well, not the point lead. The but heart? Like the heart, you think? The or has Oilers, Kucherov kind of staked his claim to that? Man, he, he's kept the lightning afloat. He has. They, they, if you wanted like two players that you know mask their deficiencies, is what Nikita Kucherov is doing in Tampa Bay uh, for the Lightning, or thirteen, twelve, and five. Yeah, last wild card team in the in the Eastern Conference, and the Oilers, who are uh, despite that awful start, are still out of that playoff spot and winning eight in a row. They are thirteen. 
12 and 1. Uh, Oilers and Lightning tonight. Yeah, Lightning tied with Washington. There's a yeah. bunch of teams at 31 points that are yeah. chasing that last while. So there's your four, your, your bottom four. Number three, uh, this is going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, this is a team that's uh, been a little bit better of late, 6 1 and 3. Uh, 15, 6, and 5 on the year, 35 points. They've got themselves back into one of the Atlantic Division playoff spots. This is still a team that uh, is dealing with the Joseph Wall injury, and it's Eli Samsonov and Martin Jones as your goaltenders. That defense is still very much patchwork. Mark Giordano, I believe, is still on IR. Uh, so this is a team that, uh, yeah, it still has eight regulation wins as well, which is um, the tied for the fifth least in the NHL. And uh, among the playoff teams, they're the only one that are, they're in there. So come tie-breaking yeah. season, that could be a little dangerous. But uh, I think this is a team that, again, kind of outscoring, masking their deficiencies. Mm-hmm. And they were going to do that. They were going to score a lot of goals. Jonathan Tavares hit 1,000 points this week. They beat the Rangers, who are a really good team, 7-3 oh, yeah. at MSG. Leafs are impressive, I think, despite all the crap that's gone on with that blue line and all the stuff that's gone on in that crease. This team is still a really, really good team. Yeah, and you mentioned it about the Flames that they've been scoring by committee because they have to because our best players the and the Leafs, best they players have only the top scorers are exactly. Scoring. Neil Anders leading their team with thirty six points. You run down the list and it goes Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Riley. You know their core five mm-hmm. that they run down. Max Domi, uh, a free agent signing that they had this year that was hopefully going to add some depth scoring. He's got one goal right now. Tyler Bertuzzi, that contract's not aging well right mm-hmm. now. He's got seven points. So they need to find a way to get some depth scoring. I, I feel like they're still going to be making calls for to add to their blue line to oh, really yeah. make them a contender. And if they need they need their goaltending to be healthy if they want to get over. The, I, I don't trust them in the April. Playoff I don't I know trust they got them in April, round, but, no, but I, I trust them to be a very good regular season team and, and get to yeah. 100 points. Uh, number two, they fall down from the last ranking. It's the Winnipeg Jets. I don't think you can lose to the San Jose Sharks and be your, the number one team in Canada uh, just right now. But the Jets are playing really good hockey of late. They, they had a nice comeback. They got down 2 nothing last night against the LA Kings, rallied to win that one 5-2, gave Velarde four-point night, Mark Shifley a four-point night. Uh, Kyle Connor gets hurt earlier in the week against Anaheim. Vicious knee on knee from Ryan Strom. He's out six to eight weeks. This guy was going to score 50 goals this year. He and 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 no, only, I believe only Toronto from Austin Matthews scores more of the team's goals than Kyle Connor has for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, but this is a team I, I mentioned it a lot. They're playing Laurent Brassois a lot more. He, they're getting a lot more That's from the backup, and they're getting a, they're getting points from their backup as well. And that is so key to keep Connor Hallibuck fresh for a Escaping late. My mind, March, who did they April have run. backing up Hallibuck the season prior? Last year? Yeah. Oh my. Or God. a couple seasons ago. It was like Eric Comrie two years ago. But regardless, uh, last year, oh, it was uh, David Riddick last year. Okay, yeah, yeah. exactly. That kind of proves my yeah. point. Regardless, <laughs> regardless of what uh, Winnipeg has LA done, Kings minor league they, system. They now. haven't been able to get points when they put their backup goaltender mm-hmm. into games, and that's what they're getting this season. And keeping Halibut as fresh as possible come playoff time mm-hmm. is going to be huge because every single time they've tried to make a playoff run, I know mm-hmm. they went to the Western Conference Final and lost to Nashville that one year, but Vegas, uh, Vegas, Vegas, sorry, Vegas first year, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, that was really the only time when they've had like a super fresh Halibut going in there, and, and it was with Brassois as backup. Exactly. So I, I think I think that'll be huge for them. Shifley is having an excellent year as well. well that's uh, a, like Mark Shifley has found another level, and he's rounding out a lot more defensively as well. He's becoming a lot more responsible in his own zone. I think when him and Connor sign those 
long-term extensions to be in Winnipeg mm-hmm. for their duration of their career. I think that was a sentiment that they, they trust me to be these number, the, the first draft pick in team history. Yeah. And I think he's having his best season uh, as a Winnipeg Jet. And number one, uh, maybe the most surprising of all the Canadian teams to be where they are. I don't know. Edmonton, you'd probably expect to be number one at this point. But the Vancouver Canucks, 19-9-1, and one, won three in a row, six and four of their last ten. Uh, we've talked about it. this team's got depth. They've got defensive uh, depth here as well. And the goaltending with Thatcher Demko, he's a Vesna finalist for me right oh, yeah. now. Maybe the Vesna winner even. I think so. Uh, Thatcher Demko, it was, we talked about him. A healthy Demko was going to move a, prove a lot for this Vancouver Canuck team. And uh, he's showing that right now. Yeah, that was the biggest question mark for sure. Uh, I, I think adding Heronic to that, that blue line alongside uh, Quinn Hughes to give him a little bit more defensive structure where he can kind of run wild and put up points. He, he's still okay defensively. I think Quinn Hughes is a pretty well-rounded player, obviously, but I think the wa- I, I think Demko being healthy, Quinn Hughes taking an excellent step forward, coupled with the fact that he's got a partner in crime on his blue line in Heronic now. And I, I, I said it again, I, I think talk it's been huge for the culture yes. of that Vancouver team, and he's got them firing on all cylinders right now. Yeah, uh, for sure. They still JT Miller is uh, second in league scoring. Quinn Hughes, uh, he's still tops amongst defensemen with 39 points. Uh, Elias Pedersen is still up there in top 10 of scoring. Uh, it's a good group. Brock Besser, he I think yeah, he leads the league in, sc- in goals. He's tied with Austin Matthews with the for Brocket. Brocket, <laughs> Brocket Richard, uh, Brock Besser. See, so there's your uh, your World Canada Power Rankings. Number seven, the Ottawa Senators. Number six, the Calgary Flames. Number five, the Montreal Canadiens. Number four, the Edmonton Oilers. Number three, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Number two, the Winnipeg Jets. And number one, the Vancouver Canucks. It's a Calgary Flames game day. They're in action in St. Paul, Minnesota tonight to take on the Wild. Last of three on the road. Uh, we'll be on there at 5 o'clock with Flames Talk pregame. 6 o'clock for your puck drop between the Flames and the Wild. I want to thank our guests today, Ross Tucker, Sam Cosentino, Derek Wills, and Jared Carabas. All those interviews will be up on our Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to GVP for making us sound oh so good. Uh, the Jeff Merrick Show is up next. And since uh, we went a little late here, I can tell you who's on it. Uh, coming up, Brian Boyle, uh, NHL Network Analyst, former NHLer, will join the show. Uh, and then at uh, 1035, out in Seattle, Jeff Baker, friend of the show. We've had him on. Uh, a couple times as well. Then at 11 o'clock, Elliot Friedman gives you the latest from around the NHL. And then at 11.35, Thomas Hickey, uh, MSG Network Analyst for the New York Islanders. That's uh, it's coming your way today. Keep it locked right here. Sportsnet 960, The Fan.